Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast. And uh, I'm going to drop the little intro thing I've been doing. I'm going to drop that little tagline. Tired of saying it. How about that? It's my show. I'll run it the way I want. How about that? Yeah. So, uh, no, but really, more or less, and I was talking to, uh, I, I made a guest appearance on uh, uh, No Way Jose's podcast uh recently and, and i i believe that i'll do a uh a crossover episode where i'll you know also upload that on this channel but i kind of don't want to paint myself in a corner here i absolutely do want to highlight you know stories of ending the drug war and and highlight stories of recovery and that will still be a main staple of the show but i i think i want to branch out and also cover some other stuff and so that's what we're going to start doing and you know that's what we're doing today um I have a buddy of mine named Steven, met him on Twitter. Uh, he's also another cat who's in recovery, but Steven is very in the know when it comes to crypto. And right now where we're at, we got the world's richest man, uh, Elon Musk, talking about Dogecoin and Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is a household name at this point, you know, and if you're anything like me, you don't know what the hell that is. You know, you know, it's a thing, you know, it's some form of online currency, but where did it come from? How did it start and where is it going? And so um, Stephen was gracious enough to come on and, and kind of lay that out there for us. Now, unfortunately, uh, towards the end of the episode, he uh, his phone overheated. And so we had to kind of abruptly stop it there. But I, I've also got some stuff to plug for him at the end. So um, awesome episode a lot of really good information and if you're curious about crypto here you go here's steven all right and i am joined with my good friend steven steven thanks for coming on buddy hey thanks drew glad to be on and uh so pretty much steven agreed to come on because he knows quite a bit about crypto and i know next to nothing and so this episode is you know typically in in you and I met because, you know, you said that you're in recovery, you know, you do the recovery thing. And so that's, that's kind of how, how you and I started talking. And so, uh, while this is a podcast that's generated towards, you know, discussing things pertaining to the drug war, you know, there's also those of us in recovery who have other niches that aren't tech, you know, specifically recovery. And I, I want to highlight that too. And I thought what better use of, of time than to get you to come on here and, and share a little bit of your story and then also kind of give us a one-on-one on the, uh, on the crypto thing. So Steven, why don't you give us a little bit of a background, man? What's your story? Where'd you come from? Where are you at today? Oh, today I still, uh, prefer to remain sober, uh, eight years now, clean and serene. Um, nice. And part of that is uh, being libertarian, uh, having liberty, being able to control my own mind and my own uh, destiny, as you will, you know. Um, right now, uh, a big part of that recovery is taking care of my debts, my financial. Uh, I don't want to be in debt to no one. I don't want to be. Uh, I want to be in control, you know, uh, of my own life and uh, taking responsibility. You'll hear that again and again in libertarian circles. Um, if you want liberty, you got to fight for it. You got to be responsible for your own liberty. And um, 
coming to the drug war, you know, uh, or any politics in that matter, you know, it's, it's funny to me that we have the right to bear arms in America. We have the right to free speech, but why do we not have the right to our own money? No, we got to use the government's money and it's each dollar in circulation is a debt to the money printers, to the federal res. And so somewhere down the line, uh, someone is enslaved to pay back that dollar to the federal res. And you think about it, not last official uh, reporting was like 92% of the U.S. dollar or fiat, as you will, uh, is digital. So why can't we have our own digital currency uh, that we run on our own? And it's just revolutionary. And if you go back to the beginning of the federal res, uh, I forget who it was, whether it, whether it was Rothschilds or Morgan, those guys said, if give me control of the money and I don't care who's in control of the government because who controls the money controls everything. So yeah. I, we should have our own money. We should be able to decide what we want. And for me, you know, I, I understand there's multiple currencies, but at, I want the best currency, you know, and at this point to me, that's Bitcoin. Um, it's got Metcalf's law. It has the, the most people, uh, the most security. Um, and so the more people involved, the more valuable it becomes, the more transactional it becomes, the more uh, people you could trade with. Uh, there's other cryptocurrencies and they have their uses. Uh, some are more private, some are quicker, some are cheaper. But there's always trade-offs. So at this point, I you might call me a Bitcoin maximalist. But for those that uh, need those faster or uh, more private, more power to them. You know, we should have those. So we need to support those that are looking for ways to uh, get our liberties back, and that because that that should be a basic liberty is the ability to trans transfer funds to have your own currency that's where i'm at today so. so are are you are you up on like the history of of cryptocurrency do you know about like like how how it started where did it come from oh absolutely um well bitcoin you know was uh had a anonymous or pseudonymous uh creator uh satoshi nakamoto he uh, wrote a paper, white paper and put it on the cypherpunks mailing list in 2008. Can't, I can't remember exact date. And then he released the software, started running it January 3rd, 2009. And it's been running ever since. There's been maybe 0.001% downtime where they had to reorg because of a bug. But it's been running 12 years straight. Uh, never been hacked. Um, that's the first uh, successful uh, e-cash, I guess you call it. But there was others before it. And really, Bitcoin was nothing revolutionary. It, it took a bunch of different um, 
how do you say it? Def bunch of different technologies, you know, cryptography. It took uh, mining. It was a revolution, somewhat revolutionary, but that was used before. Um, and it just put them all together. And it was the first e-money that worked. Um, of course, we got digital cash or digital dollars, you know. That's just a bank telling you what numbers are in their computer. That's that's not real. That could be manipulated. Where with Bitcoin, it can't be manipulated. What the ledger is distributed. So if you try to cheat that ledger, everyone knows you're lying, and they kick you off the they kick you off the network. So uh, it's the first successful. And of course, since then we've had there's literally right now 6,000 different cryptocurrencies that you could trade uh, 24 seven, uh, 365 days a week or a year, you know, on, if you got simple internet uh, and bank account, you could get it in most countries um, or person to person. There's nothing stopping me from sending you Bitcoin right now. There's nothing stopping me. Uh, and each, but each one of those six thousand or more cryptocurrencies will have their trade-offs. But right now, Bitcoin is the most secure. It's the most sellable. You can sell it every any time of the day. Um, you don't have to worry about it not not being liquid. Um, it's being mass adopted. There's governments uh, accepting it and institutions are putting it on their um how do you say on their treasury as a reserve asset um but yeah it, it it's it really is revolutionary but at the same time it's just a bunch of technologies thrown together in one simple little package and it works pretty good so you you briefly touched on it but can you can you explain to me what is mining what is uh, Bitcoin mining? Uh, the biggest principle is writing to the ledger. We can't have just anybody write to the ledger what the transactions, you know, in a given amount of time are. Um, you know, with Bitcoin, every 10 minutes, a new block or a new entry into the ledger is written. And it, it varies depending on how many computers our miners are on if there's way more computers then it might be nine or eight or seven minutes average and if there's way less there could be you know uh 20 minute blocks or bigger so but the only one miner has to do a cryptographic uh puzzle to find out it's like a lottery and when when they win that lottery, they get the chance to write to the ledger and they are rewarded with the fees and that's their incentive. But right now we're still in the program in Bitcoin. Anyway, we're still in the program distribution. So there's actually a block reward, uh, a Coinbase where they are rewarded. The, how do you say it? The inflation, we, we got to distrib the distribution. So the distribution gets given to the miner at that point. Right now, it's at 6.25, uh, I believe. And every four years, um, that's cut in half. So by 
2140, all the Bitcoin will be mined. There won't be any more. So each miner and the system as a whole, the network as a whole, will depend on fees at that point. Um, the fees will be the 100% of the reward for mining. And the, the greatest thing about Bitcoin and doing that, and th that's been done before, but it always got... Before Bitcoin, it always got overrun by who had the biggest computer and the most computers. But they have what in Bitcoin, what they call the difficulty adjustment. So every two weeks, if we have twice as many computers, then we have it's twice as hard to find that cryptographic puzzle. Just a, a random number that it it's a 256 bit number, which Trying to find a two hundred a, a random number two hundred fifty six bit is like trying to find a piece of sand in the universe. That's the max, but the difficulty goes up and down. That's that's the chances, and that's also the chances of um, busting uh, our keys to our Bitcoin. Um, that that's more accurate. The difficulty right goes higher and lower depending on the computers. So. So, so the miners are actually finding new bitcoins by this process. Like, I, I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> like, this is all, you know, I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around it. So, the, uh, a miner is somebody who has a computer that's running an algorithm. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Uh, yep. Okay. And this and this algorithm is trying to find uh, a specific line of code that is representative of a new Bitcoin, correct? Right. Yep. Okay. It's just a random number. It's basically a lottery. And the more power you put to it, the more hashes, I guess, the more times you run the algorithm per second, the better your chances are of finding that block and writing to the ledger. Yep. And so... Every every coin that's out there utilizes this process. Will that be accurate? Like not just Bitcoin, but Dogecoin and Monero and all of that. Um, there's there's two different. Um, that's not absolutely true. Um, this is the mo Bitcoin has the most fair distribution, um, based on the fact that whoever was willing and ready to run those miners. Um, had the equal opportunity to mine the next coin, where in other coins, some of them, the developers on the very first block printed half the supply right out, and they kept half the supply. And that's not necessarily fair, um, but it might be a good trade-off for those that need it. It's just you, at that point, you, you know that the developers have an upper hand um, and proof of stake, there's other coins such as Cardano, uh, Ethereum. Those were pre-mined, um, but they're going towards a proof of stake where the people who have the most coins have the chance to print the next uh, ledger block. The next, uh, yeah, they're the miners. So uh, I guess you'd call that an aristocracy or how do they say it? how do they say it aristocracy 
Yeah, yeah. Who who has the most or a plutocracy or however they say that. Right. So that has its that may have its benefits too to those who need it, but I it may not be the most fair system for a global reserve currency, but it you know it's it's a trade-off. Uh, I used to run uh, proof of stake with Cardano. I had some money and I made quite a bit of um, return on it. It's funny because then you start getting into economics and what I was receiving as interest for staking my coins. uh, I think that inflation was higher than that. So it's still being devalued and someone's getting the upper hand of those freshly minted coins you know i got a kickback but not nothing compared to how much and you know how big a problem inflation is just this year alone the u.s dollar's been doubled in base money supply so get ready for a shit storm because oh boy uh yeah you know our milk and our bread might say stayed at two percent price inflation but all the world's assets, you, you've seen the stock market double, you know, almost. And then uh, health care, your cars, your uh, sky rise in Manhattan, that's all going to the, – the little guys are getting further and further away from any of that. Even health care, education, uh, it's getting further and further away for the little guy. And so I think – cryptocurrency gives us a way out kind of getting off base there but no no i mean you're 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 speaking to to what makes sense to you and and i'm able to follow it so we're on a good we're we're on a good pathway forward here um so all right so obviously bitcoin has captured the attention of you know pretty much everybody you talk about bitcoin and people when you talk about Bitcoin, people automatically assume, okay, that's crypto. Well, that's not all the coins. You know, there's there's other coins. Can right. you can you speak to? Can other coins just be created? Are we going to see an end to like new coins being created at some point, or is there always going to be new ones popping up? Do you think? Um, yeah, and there. You can, there could be infinite different coins. Uh, they'll all have their trade-offs is the key. Um, trying to look at it from a libertarian, you know, an American libertarian view. Yeah, we should have uh, the right to have any currency that you and I, you and I could make our own Drew Stephen coin, and we should be able to trade that back and forth for any commerce you and I decide. With no restrictions, that's that's the libertarian view. And of course, if you commit a crime, it's not because of the coin that caused that crime. Then you should be, you know, you or I commit a crime. We should go to due process. But you and I should not be restricted and using whatever currency you and I choose. So yeah, any currency. But uh, there's a in economics, there's a term called Gresham's law, which says the best, most liquid currency always wins. You know, in the past, gold, gold always won. It always out. If we had a silver standard, well, 
if we still had gold being traded, well, all the silver was being traded and gold was being hoarded. People wanted gold and then they give their silver away. You know, um, that's because gold was a harder money. It wasn't, um, you can't find as much gold. It's, it's not as inflated as much as silver, you know, and, uh, it was, it wouldn't corrode as much as silver. Silver, uh, gets green and, uh, how do you say it? Oxidizes. So gold always won in the last 2000 years until government says, nah, fuck y'all. You're using our money. You know, excuse my leg. <laughs> that's basically what they're doing, man. Uh, so that's called fiat and by decree fiat by decree, meaning you have to use our money. And that's when the government, uh, that's the biggest corruption, the biggest, most insidious uh, tyranny that's faced modern day. And it, I, I believe it leads to each and every political division and put, uh, tyranny that we have today is at the root of it is, oh, well, government prints the money. So uh, they get to dictate both sides of every story, you know. The money printers don't care if you're socialist or capitalist or communist. They don't care if you're left or right. They make money from all of us, and they control both sides. They like when we're at war with each other. They like when we're at war with other people because they profit from it. And so we point fingers at politicians, and we point fingers at corporations, and point fingers at the government. Well, they're in bed with the money printers and that's that's why they're the, they're the whores if you ask me that to the money printers the money printers are the in charge they're the oligarchy they're the let's say we don't live in a a as they say democratic republic that's just a facade for the fact that we live in a kleptocracy where the Thieves are in charge, and that's the federal res. So we do deserve our own currency, whether that be uh, Dogecoin going through the roof. That That's a great investment for kids to get in, get out, and learn what trading's in. But then we have, you know, our smart contracts, that uh, computers that there's no bank, but you earn interest somehow through this computer program. DeFi, if you're into that type of thing, you should be able to. But ultimately, Bitcoin is the victor. Bitcoin is the king. That's the reserve. Uh, there's a great book out, the Bitcoin standard that puts it all into perspective. Gresham's Law that um, the best currency wins. So, but... Each of us will have our own trade-offs for, you know. Right. I, like, you know, I, since you and I started talking, you know, I did a little bit of research on the side. And, you know, like I, I've, I've found out about a couple of, uh, of coins, but, you know, I'm still trying to learn, <laughs> wrap my head around it. And you're, you're helping me out quite a bit with that. Now, um, when it comes to the security aspect of it, you know, like I, I, I hear a lot of people, uh, cause you know, for a long time I fell within the camp of critical 
of cryptocurrency as a whole. Like it didn't make sense to me. I, I just wasn't even looking its way. And um, one of the arguments that I hear come up quite a bit is that people don't like crypto because there is no material Bitcoin. You know, if the internet were to go down in a collapsitarian society, you know, what happens to these Bitcoins? How could you even access them if you didn't have it on a hard drive or, you know, or something? What, what's your response to that? Yeah, it's a legitimate fear, uh, but it's the same fear as an asteroid hitting the planet or a Mad Max apocalypse. And if that's the biggest argument you got for against Bitcoin, then I think that's just a better argument that while we got it, that's the best thing we got. Might as well use it. Uh, I've heard that before. And I was like, well, that just sounds like even better reason to get what we can out of it while we can. Uh, of okay. course, if we could spend our whole lives accumulating gold and never be able to accomplish with gold what we could with Bitcoin and go to our, we can't take gold to the grave with us. I mean, I guess you could, but it's not going to uh, accomplish much for as as a revolutionary worldwide global instant trading. Um, yeah. Gold can't do that. Uh, gold's yeah. a great store of value. It's just that Bitcoin's better. So for instances, like if the internet goes down, uh, remember that the internet is global. So what could cause a global internet outage? Um, you know, they say solar flares. Well, I guarantee you, if something like that were to happen, Bitcoiners would be the first ones to get the fucking internet up and going again. You know, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be we will be the new AT&T. We will be, Bitcoiners will be the new uh, Comcast, the new uh, media even. You know, we will, at that point, take over a brand new maybe web 3.0 at that point. Um, of course, it's all recorded, the, every transaction. And yeah, it'll be a, a hard time, but it's rebootable. If at any point in the system, it gets shut down, it there's 10,000. As of right now, there's like closer to 11,000 nodes running the Bitcoin network right now. You can't shut them all down. You can't. Um, and if you do, they'll just fire it back up. Uh, of course, there's the excuse uh, the government might shut it down in an area. Uh, that's true. Uh, and that would be a big mistake for that government because it has created a what they call Triffin's Dilemma, which gives every other country in the world, every other government in the world, an opportunity for arbitrage against you because they've got this better technology, Bitcoin, and you've taken it away from your citizens, then there's going to be trade difficulties for that country and power and power and trade uh, difficulties for that country. Um, so that's a bad idea to ban Bitcoin. Uh even if they did, it would only be a matter of time before Bitcoiners developed uh, ways around it. Uh, it's such a great store of value. There is an incentive uh, 
to find legal or um, ways to, how do they say, the agorists say it all the time, to uh, surpass or uh, uh, go around government, you know. And that's what all the politicians do. They find a legal way out. Uh, the tax laws, there's a loophole for anything you want to do. There's a loophole. You know, they, they run drugs. The government runs arms. The government uh, runs, uh, it sounds like, with the whole Epstein thing, they run sex rings and stuff. Who knows? <laughs> there is a loophole for anything you want. And so uh, I think it is our right to have this money. And if they ban it, then Bitcoiners will find a way. Um it's at, at this point, it's hard to say whether we should be talking about uh, development in Bitcoin. There is new and upcoming signature schemes that will allow us to obfuscate uh, who owns what and where it came from. Uh, it takes a little bit of work, but it's an opt-in privacy. See, some of these coins get in trouble, like Monero. Because no one knows who made it, where it come from. I mean, just looking at the ledger, looking at its uh, code, you can't tell who owns what and how much. And that that's hard to make a, a business out of. That's hard to transact globally uh, in, a, um, in business or commerce. You know, person to person, that's great. That's what you want if you're going to Mexico to get certain substances, you know, <laughs> uh, but right. for, for a, a big institution, Apple's not going to use Monero, you know, uh, Google, Facebook, they're not going to use Monero, but Bitcoin has technology coming up that you can opt into um, being private and somewhat anonymous. Of, of course, pr absolute privacy and absolute uh, uh, anonymity is not a reality. It's just at, at how much are you willing to pay uh, to keep your privacy in an anonymity or break someone else's. And so that's always a, a concern we got to keep in mind is um, our own privacy and what are the trade-offs there as well. Um, yeah. I kind of got off track there again, but <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Cause you, you, you actually, you, you answered the question and expanded on it. And I appreciate that because it, it wasn't just one stance. You actually covered quite a few criticisms yeah. of Bitcoin and that's good. Um, so I, I actually have information from that that I didn't have going into it. So thanks oh, man. man. Um, one, one, uh, so, okay. So we've covered, we've covered, you know, what crypto is, how it comes into existence, you know, and, and its current uses. So as a beginner, where, where would I go? What would be a good place for me to start making purchases of Bitcoin and how can I store those, um, you know, without having to worry about, you know, them, them disappearing on me? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the basics, you know, uh, of course there's three ways to uh, well, let's. I'll add a fourth one at the end, but three major ways. Uh, of course, you can mine. You can mine your own currency, which requires downloading the software, plugging in your computer, 
and let it rip. And uh, there's a chance that you may mine your own coins, but it is very competitive in the case of Bitcoin. Uh, there's mass publicly traded companies uh, that are uh, multi-million dollar companies coming together and they barely uh, pay for their electricity. It, it's a comp very competitive, very marginal, but whatever they get to save in Bitcoin, uh, it appreciates so much that if they could save um, that Bitcoin for this historically anyway, if they could save it, then they're ahead. You know, they get ahead if they can uh, pay their electricity and save in Bitcoin. That's huge. But the average person, uh, it's complicated. You probably pay more in electricity. Um, so if you're in a place like uh, somewhere cold, these computers get hot and the electricity's low. Um, it might be profitable for you to mine. And plus, those coins, no one has ever used those coins before, so they can't prove that it came from a drug ring. They can't prove that it came from uh, Iranian sanctions. So those are clean coins. And some they say there's a premium uh, black market for those coins because there's they've never been touched before. Uh, whether that's true or not, it's hard to say. But So that's way number one, to mine your own. Uh, number two, work for it. Find people that are willing to pay you for goods around the house. You know, uh, I, I've been trying to do that, and it's not very successful in the middle of Panhandle in Nebraska, but post online, hey, I'm selling my truck. Give me, a, you know, a tenth of Bitcoin for it, and I'll give it to you, you know. Um, so trade and barter or work for it. And then, of course, there's a, Last option, which um, it makes complications as far as know your customer, uh, anti-money money laundering laws. But if you got a bank account, that bank knows everything you're doing and you have to use a bank account or uh, I, I guess you could use cash as well to on person to person buy some. Uh, but uh, mostly it's online. So anyone with a computer online or uh, a cell phone online can uh, give them personal information to say Coinbase. I use Cash App occasionally. There's Swan. There's all these apps or online uh, exchanges or over the counter. Um, you just purchase it right off of them. Uh, and then it could be stored on your computer or on your cell phone, uh, preferably, or even a piece of paper. Literally, you could write down, uh, like Bitcoin uses this protocol where they have 12 words or a 24-word recovery phrase. That recovery phrase is what's crypt cryptographically creates your keys to that Bitcoin. So literally, if you write it down uh, on a piece of paper, those words, those are the keys. Any computer that you go to in the world and you have that and you pull up a wallet, enter those keys, uh, you should be able to pull those coins and spend them.
And you can send over and over and over to that piece of paper, but it's not going to that piece of paper. It's going to actual ledger around the world when you uh, send to that address. But uh, the best way uh, is a hardware wallet. And that has a... it has the secure element so that no one else can extract those keys. Because if we enter our keys on any old uh, computer or o- any old cell phone, it, there's a possibility there's a man in the middle that can get those keys from us. Uh, so we got to – it, it takes some securing your phone. It takes some securing your – you don't want just any old uh, computer at a – what do you call that? A coffee shop. You don't want to enter those keys on there. Uh, someone may have a key key tracker. So there's a lot of security that needs to be taken in consideration. And a hardware wallet just takes care of that for you. If you just follow the rules, never enter those keys online. Just enter it on your hardware wallet, and it'll store it, and you don't have to really worry. And, of course, you want to back up those keys in three, at least three places uh, you know, write it down in a book, um, maybe have a jump drop, well, uh, imprinted in metal, those recovery, and or memorize. If you've if you got it written down in two other places, it's good to memorize those keys, especially if you're a refugee going across state lines. You got your money in your head. You could, Once you get in that country, that country already has the Bitcoin network or a cryptocurrency network. You just type in your memorized money key and you can spend it. it it's really revolutionary. This for the first time in man's entire history, money is knowledge. It's part of what you can memorize. And so it really is revolutionary. Um, That's a trip, that, dude. It's that true. Property. It is. Yep. Wow. So wow. just just like we can memorize our Facebook password or our uh, Google password, well, we can memorize our money's password. Uh, anywhere in the world, we can spend it where there's a, a secure wallet. And that that's all open source. And, uh, yep, it's really revolutionary. That's awesome, man. Now, oh, and been, of course – the last one on there was create your own coin, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe one day. I think, I think for those who are going to be listening to this episode with, with intent, I think that's going to seem daunting at least if they're anything like me. Cause like just the thought of trying to wrap my, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the mining bit. And so I'm going to, after we get through with this episode, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going to make that my job is to a little project, just try to figure out more about that. But, um, okay. So, so I, and I know what you're talking about with the keywords because I got, you know, I use cash app to buy my, my Bitcoin. And then I, I store that on a wallet on my phone called Exodus. And when I, when I created, um, my Exodus wallet, it gave me a list of keywords. And so I have those written down. And so from my understanding, that's the only way anybody can get access to that wallet elsewhere is that they have those keywords. Right. And so that's, 
it's trippy, man. It, it that freaked me out a little bit when I when I did that, but that's pretty cool, you know, because you can. They're regular words, and so like, as far as memorizing them, you could do like a paragraph, you know, and just remember that paragraph and utilize those words every so often, and then that's how you remember. Um, all right, there you have it, and that was Stephen. And like I said. His phone overheated, uh, got cut off there, but I feel like we got all the information out there that that we were wanting to to get. So um, there there was some parting words that he had for us, and that was that uh, you know, and hit in the current sense, the tax code, at least here in the states, is extremely hostile towards crypto as a whole. So um, and and his opinion, it's best used as a uh, reserve asset or you know, kind of like a savings account. Than it is to be something that's you know to for common purchases and trades and you know daily commerce so maybe that'll change in the future i'm not too sure but you know if you want you could follow steven on facebook uh he, he's there at steven drake i'll have the um url in the show notes page and he's also on twitter at liberty btc and you know follow him he's he's a great dude has a lot of uh, good information that he posts but he's also really approachable so if you're anything like me you know crypto was a big mystery surrounded by weird buzzwords like mining and blockchain and satoshi and all this weird shit and so it's kind of hard to cut through that and figure out what's what and so, um, you know, find somebody like Steven, you know, hit them up, ask them some questions, do some research on, you know, where to make your purchases and, and how to securely store those purchases. You know, um, a lot of people use Cash App and it's my understanding that keeping your coin on Cash App isn't exactly safe because I guess you don't get the keys for your for your coins and. I don't know, something else. So, you know, you can make your purchases there and then move them to an external wallet, which is what I do. So I use Cash App in like, what, the, the all of five minutes that I've been trading in crypto. So I'll use Cash App and then I'll move it on my phone to a wallet called Exodus. And uh, from my understanding, that is, you know, relatively secure. So do your own research, figure out which wallet you want to use and, you know, go forward. So... Right. It's approachable now. You've, you have a basic understanding on what some of these words mean, what crypto is. Uh, and uh, yeah, that there we have it. So again, thank you to Stephen for coming on and explaining that to us. And I'm uh, going to lead that right into the song of the day. And today I picked out a band called Luna Chicks. Uh, it's an all-female punk rock band that came out of New York in the 1987, I believe, was the year they started up. But... This song is called Say What You Mean, Mean What You Say. And it's just, it's a solid punk song. I know you're going to love it. I love it. Yeah, this is old school punk, guys. And uh, with that, I'm going to leave you with Lunatics, Say What You Mean. 